Welcome to the Cap Gemini America's Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. My name is Janet Pope, and I'm the Vice President of Corporate Social Responsibility for the U.S., Canada, and Latin America. I look forward to engaging with each of you on diversity, digital inclusion, and sustainability challenges and initiatives. Let's get the future we want together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Capgemini Women in Digital podcast. This podcast is led by the Women at Capgemini Employee Resource Group, whose mission is to cultivate and sustain a culture where women can thrive at Capgemini. The Women in Digital podcast is an informative, enlightening, entertaining, and open forum intended to challenge the norm and embrace women as leaders. It offers a chance to connect with our audience, build valuable connections, and explore meaningful topics that affect women. I'm Christine Stack. I am the head of human resources for CIS Americas. And today I am thrilled to host three incredible women on our podcast. So allow me to quickly introduce them. Jill Weber has over 25 years experience working as an IT transformation consultant and delivery leader. She joined Capgemini in 2016, where she grew to lead CIS's global ESM and ServiceNow capability. In January, Jill moved to Group Strategic Initiatives and Partnerships and now leads Capgemini's global partner relationship with ServiceNow, and she's hailing from London. Carla Heimbigner is a global partner leader at ServiceNow. She is 100% dedicated to Capgemini. Prior to joining ServiceNow, Carla was with Capgemini, where she held various roles in her 10-plus year career with our organization. And prior to joining Capgemini, Carla worked at Microsoft for over 16 years. And last but certainly not least, we welcome Jill Angelo, the CEO and founder of Genev, the nation's leading virtual menopause clinic whose mission is to empower women to take control of their health in menopause. Prior to running Genev, Jill had a 20-year career in tech at Microsoft in executive roles such as chief of staff to the CMO, director of global media, and product management for emerging markets. Today, we will be discussing the importance of women's health and well-being in the workplace. We hope you enjoy this conversation and learn from it, and that most of all, it inspires you to get the future you want. Jill, Carla and Jill, welcome, and thank you for spending time with us today. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks for having us. Of course. Yes, thank of you. Course. It's great to be here. Outstanding. So I understand you all have a special connection. So let's start there. Carla, you play the role of the conduit here. So please share with us how you all have come to be colleagues and friends and that shared thread among you. You bet, Christine. So let's go back all the way to year 2001. I was at Microsoft at the time. Microsoft acquired a company called Great Plains that hailed from Fargo, North Dakota. Gentleman that was part of the acquisition team was a dear friend of mine, Don Jones, and he knocked on my door and he said, Carla, I think you should join the Alliances team. You already know how to run Alliances and work with Alliances. Please join and help us recruit Great Plains partners. 
I'm like, sounds fantastic. To which I hailed, got on a plane and went to Fargo, North Dakota. And lo and behold, I do believe if my memory serves me right. And with menopause, my memory is sometimes failing. Um, (laughs) The first encounter I had with Jill was in what Great Plains at the time called their Eagle's Nest. And she presented to a team of us. And I sat back in awe. I am thinking, here is a woman that is going places. She was poised. She was beautiful. She was articulate. She had the ability to command the room of a lot of white, male, middle-aged men, but also women in the room. And I thought, wow, this woman is going places. One of the most memorable moments I remember with Jill is in Colorado Springs, a group of us went to an event at what was called the Broadmoor. But the evening prior, we had a get together at the Rodeo Hall of Fame. And I proceeded to watch Jill Angelo ride a bull and stay on it for nine seconds with her arm waving back and forth. And I thought to myself, there is nothing this woman can't do. It might be a euphemism for something, too, as well. It's just outstanding. Nothing this woman can't do. And did you set any records? She stayed on for nine seconds, trust me, and I think could have stayed on a long time longer. But again, I walked away from that meeting thinking there is nothing that this woman can't do. And if you go out to Jill's LinkedIn profile, you will see the track record. So being a CEO of her own company, there was no doubt in my mind back to 2001 that that was the route for her. So that wow. that is Jill Angelo. Oh, Carla, you know, thank you. Oh, wow. I, I wish your menopause memory would have forgotten the bull riding, frankly. <laughs> but I do recall that fondly. And what fun. I think that just underscores in the workplace, no matter what you're dealing with, you got to have fun. And that by far, it's the only time I've ever ridden a mechanical bull, the first and probably the last, but I was thankful to just, I was hanging on for dear life, which is a lot like running a company. So I learned some valuable lessons then. So let's move to Jill Weber. So this takes me back to when I was actually an employee at Capgemini. I was in the Sujeti MU and it was a transition where the Sujeti MU was being pulled in. And I was on the Alliance's team at the time managing Microsoft was asked to take on a plethora of partners or a portfolio of partners and have a team working for me, to which ServiceNow was one of those partners and the team member was Ollie. I had no idea of what ServiceNow was. Transparently at the time, didn't care. It was a smaller fish compared to the ones that we had to make our money. Lo and behold, Ollie said, hey, Carla, I need to get on a call because we are planning knowledge. And for those on the call that don't know, Knowledge is ServiceNow's biggest client event, to which Jill Weber is on the call. And Jill's passion came through. We need to be at this event. This is what we need to do event. She commanded the call in terms of setting the stage of why we needed to be there, the importance of needing to be there, and oh, by the way, the funding that was needed. And Jill and I and Ollie at the time knew all too well that funding was, quite frankly, a tin cupping exercise at the time because the fees had gone up. Jill never ceased to amaze me. She knew how to collaborate across the different functions within Capgemini, the different market unit leaders, different business unit leaders. I believe at that year, we had 50 people that attended Knowledge. 
circumvent that, I shortly left Capgemini to go to ServiceNow, of which where I'm at now. The first two and a half years, I wasn't working with Capgemini, to which leadership said, would you mind taking over the partnership with Capgemini? I said, by all means, I'm back in the family. And lo and behold, Jill and I now have the pleasure of being teammates and peers and growing the success between our two organizations. Now, where do you say that is, Christine? Jill and I were in a meeting together in London. (laughs) It was an all-day session, people coming in and around of the room. It was like a fishbowl room and very tight-knit, cram-packed. And when they all left for a second, I think Jill and I are like, which I think we were both (laughs) having a hot flash. (laughs) And we proceeded to have a quick conversation, and Jill, you can jump in, around the effects of menopause on us. Yeah, because you said you were having a hot flash. And I said, oh, gosh, I went through all that. Yeah, so I knew what she was going through. Hopefully I made it easy for you to talk about that because it was hard for me when a few years earlier, before I joined Capgemini, there was just a really good team of women that I was working with at the time. And I realized that it's good to be able to talk about this and yet there's such a taboo around it. We were able to have the conversation. And then it continued. This is how we got here, because we ended up talking with a few other ladies on a call, again, before it was officially formally kicking off. And with that, we're here now talking about menopause. (laughs) So, Christine, I really want to give kudos to a gal within Capgemini named Tracy Perez. And Jill alluded to that. We were on a call and all women were on the call. And I jokingly say when somebody says, what's the weather like in Colorado? I say it's like menopause. It's hot and cold. It's hot and cold. One day it's hot. One day it's cold. And it kind of gets a reaction. And I do it for both men and women. But Tracy jumped into that conversation. She leaned into that conversation and said, hey, we do a podcast within Capgemini. Would you two be willing to speak? And the first person I really thought of, because I am no expert in this whatsoever, other than being in the midst of menopause. I thought of Jill and Tracy's like, will you reach out to her? So I did. And immediately Jill said yes. And this is why we are here. So back over to you, Christine. Carla, come on. How do I follow that? First of all, I think I'm out of a job for the podcast host because that was excellent. Listen, it's so interesting because when we were originally talking, obviously, The thread here is health, well-being, menopause, which we'll get to in a second. But I also would be remiss in stating that there's another thread between the three of you. And that is just such an obvious and incredible self-command muscle that all of you have and self-awareness and also just bravery. Bravery to have this conversation, to normalize this conversation, which was something that was like spoken in hushed tones in my household. Well, I'm hot because I'm having a No, that's not right. So let's get into it because I would love to hear next from Jill Angelo, who has taken this in the direction that, quite frankly, it's needed to be taken in for a long time. So named as one of Inc.'s 2021 top 100 female founders, you are a driving force for bringing effective health solutions, information, and resources to women in the most vibrant years of their slash our lives. So tell us what prompted you to make this impactful change in your career and and more about the organization. Thank you, Christine. I think 
like so many things, I know particularly in my life, but probably in many women's lives, like to you said, we all have a command and a control of our destinies, our external experience, how we might be showing up, even though we're masking discomfort in menopause or other things. I was in a large corporation for most of my career and I loved it. Much like Capgemini, big company, amazing opportunities. And I never really had an intention to tackle this challenge of lack of menopause care, lack of menopause education, lack of just overall awareness and support for women going through this change until I was at a point where I was on a sabbatical. And basically during that time, I got connected with a woman who had gone through menopause. She had helped build Neutrogena, sold it to Johnson & Johnson. She was a very successful woman. And she conveyed to me the challenges and the pain and the silent suffering that she had gone through in her menopause and how someone needs to start a company to support women in menopause. And at that time, I was still, I'm now in perimenopause as well. So I'm going through it just like Carla and Jill Weber. But at the time, I had like most women and pretty much all men had no real understanding of how menopause really robs women of their true potential, especially again, at the height of our careers in our 40s and 50s, like we're senior business women. And to see women starting to plateau in their career, maybe leave their job because they're struggling with symptoms that are a mystery to them was something that just drove me to say, I'm going to start a company. Again, this was not part of a grand plan, but my passion philanthropically has always been around women and girls development. And so this fit kind of in that sphere. And I had real conviction around it. At the time, when I started Genev, which I started in 2016 is when we went live, we didn't quite know how to quote unquote solve this menopause issue. What we did know was we had a physical product that my co-founder at the time had developed for feminine dryness. So we packaged that up and started selling that online. And we surveyed about 2000 women and asked them, how did you prepare for your menopause? And the overriding insight was I was completely unprepared. I didn't know what was happening. I struggled to start the conversation, much like what we're doing here. And so we started publishing content, interviewing doctors and acupuncturists and functional medicine and dietitians, anyone working with women in menopause to produce medically reviewed content that would show up across the over 20 million monthly searches women put online around menopause symptoms. It's discreet. It's where they're going for answers. And we started to grow and build a community. They were reading our content. And in 2019, after listening to so many women say, I feel dismissed by my doctor. I feel not heard. I feel like the healthcare system has failed me. We started a telemedicine practice. Our chief medical officer is an OBGYN that has always wanted to build a telehealth company specifically treating women in menopause, doing virtual consultations. You can do a lot in a 30-minute video chat around medical guidance, prescription support, even lifestyle care. And so in 2019, we launched the telemedicine side of our business. We now have doctors, OBGYNs, serving patients in all 50 states, as well as dietitians who work on the lifestyle care. So we're really supporting women 360 degrees, both mind, body, and soul, hopefully in many ways, just really thrive through this menopause change. We can define menopause as a health issue. It's clinical. 
it's medical, but obviously you bring up a much more impactful point in that this is a lifestyle change. It affects not only personal lives, it affects work lives. And for those of you out there, you know, Jill has talked about the impact that it has on women in the workplace. And I recently read an article that supports this in a rather chilling way. So the article is by Roseanne Meek and Catherine Neville. It's entitled Women and Menopause in the Workplace. And there's a quote in there. It's attributed to Helen Normoyle. She is the co-founder of My Menopause Center, which provides training and menopause support services to a host of major businesses in a variety of sectors across Britain. So Jill Bubber, you may or may not be aware of her as well. And she said, and I quote, as well as the 900,000 women who have already quit their jobs in the UK because of the lack of menopause support in the workplace, another 1 million are predicted to leave their roles in the coming year. Highly skilled, experienced women, many of whom are approaching or at the peak of their career, are exiting the workplace, which has huge knock-on effects on the gender pay gap, pension gap, the number of women in senior leadership positions, end quote. And if that isn't a call to action, I don't know what is. So Jill Weber, from your point of view, especially in relation to that particular quote, what do you believe is a company's role in putting health and well-being center stage in the workplace? I think it's a lot around awareness and providing resources. Because when I went through this a few years ago, I actually wasn't even quite sure what was happening to me initially. I had taken birth control pills for many, many years, and I still was. So that was partly masking the menopause. I did eventually start having hot flashes and night sweats, but I was having other symptoms that were really quite frightening to me. I was having severe bleeding and back pain. I had severe breast pain and cramping, much worse than I ever had when I was just going through regular menstruation. And that was puzzling to me and frightening to me, and it wasn't occurring to me that I was going through menopause. And in the UK, you don't typically just go to an OBGYN, you go to your GP. Unfortunately, I had a really good GP, and when I went to her, she said, well, I think you're going through menopause. It's just being masked a little bit. And I just kind of went, uh. So while she kind of helped there, I didn't get a lot of support about what my options were or what was going to work best for me. And I think getting back to the role of the employer is to help provide those education and awareness. Now, Capgemini has gotten really good in the last couple of years, and they have started to do this. So I really commend Capgemini for doing this. And particularly in the UK, we've had some sessions, and but I think they can do more. And I think part of looking at what are your options under private health care to get support um, and maybe provide counseling, connect to other women, and just do some general sharing about symptoms and impacts of menopause, because while we all talk about and joke about hot flashes and things like that, there's a whole list of symptoms. And I went out myself and just started researching. And when I started looking at kind of the long list of symptoms, I was really quite shocked. I pretty much could tick every single one off. I was having them all. I was going through a really tough time. And I tried various things. And I had to kind of do it on my own. And so it would be nice to see workplaces helping women 
plan through those options, and then what they can do providing that support if you're having a really tough day or you're having a really tough time to help be accommodating to their work schedules. Because I'm really quite shocked to hear the number of people who've left the workplace because it was hard to cope with menopause. It can be quite crippling, but you can find those coping mechanisms. I just wish that I had more support in order to find the options that worked best for me without me having to do it on my own and trial and error. Some women can't do that or don't have that available to them. So I think that would be where the workplace can really help. And I, again, and to, to take the stigma away from it. This is a natural part of our lives, right? So it shouldn't be stigmatized and it shouldn't be something we should be afraid to talk about. And so just providing that encouragement that it's okay to talk about it, provide support groups, things like that, and doing what we're doing right now. These right. are the best things that the workplace can do to help women. Thank you. Listen, policies notwithstanding, because obviously even organizations can have the best of intentions, I think it also is rooted in just your immediate manager, your immediate yeah. leadership. You can have the best policies in the world, but yes. even from a leadership perspective, I think leaders need to manage a bit differently than maybe what they've done in the past. So Jill Angelo, I'll ask you this particular question. How have you as a leader ensured that health and well-being are active priorities in your workplace and on your teams? Because sometimes that's a bit different from what the organization is doing versus what a leader is doing. Absolutely. Uh, number one, just to Jill Weber's point, we've got to make it a comfortable place for people male and female to talk mm -hmm. about it. And it's fascinating the moment I bring up, whether it's in my workplace, we all focus on menopause. So it's kind of part of the conversation every day. Um, I went to an event that AARP was putting on an innovation summit months ago. And the woman sat down next to me, she asked what I did. I said, I run a menopause company. And in that moment, she started sharing all the symptoms, all the struggles she's had. <laughs> It is a conversation starter, just the yeah. fact when I say what I do. So even as women, you don't have to run a menopause company to start this dialogue and make it comfortable. Carla, like I love the point you brought out earlier. The weather in Colorado is hot and cold, just like menopause. Yeah. Just the little things, it sparks something in women that are like, oh, okay, I'm okay. Or this is normal. So I think it's those small nuances that we've got to normalize it in ways that are just part of the typical conversation versus really going to someone like, how are you? Are you in menopause? Probably not the thing you want to ask somebody because <laughs> they might not be, you know? I think finding ways to invite it and or share with a little bit of a smile around what you're experiencing. And oftentimes people ask, why aren't more women bringing this up in the workplace? Or when I've talked to benefits managers or directors about really enhancing their workplace benefits with menopause care. Oftentimes it's like, well, I haven't heard it from our demographic of women. I haven't seen the request. And yeah. my response commonly is, well, if you're not feeling great, it's a bit shameful and stigmatized. You're stating, you know, I'm tired because I'm not sleeping. I'm having hot flashes and I'm challenged mm -hmm. with brain fog. So I might miss some work or I might be plateauing in my career. Like you're not going to say those things. And so yeah. having someone quote unquote admit or bring it up as a need in the workplace is really challenging. I don't know that I would if I was in a large corporate company around my menopause care. And so I think it's incumbent upon leaders 
to recognize that this is a super normal transition. I know in the U.S., 20% of the American workforce are women of menopausal age. That's a large percentage of workers. And that's tech, that's productivity, that's blue collar, that's retail, that's everything. We've got to be conscientious of that and meet women where they're at with this versus requiring them to ask for it. So I think that's kind of the point I want to land there for sure. Thank you. Well, very well landed, very well spoken. And if you don't mind, I'll add something to that in terms of that demographic statement, because for me, especially bringing on female leadership, I've seen the struggle of bringing on female leadership, especially in certain industry sectors, especially at that level. And if we go back to the quote, if there are female leaders who feel like the alternative to speaking about it is actually leaving the workforce before they can become that senior leader, then guess what? That demographic doesn't exist. It's a chicken and an egg, and it's a really bad one at that. So I'll just add that as well. Anybody out there waiting for demographics is not going to get it. You've got to work to increase those demographics, and then things will change. So. When we as an employees or even when we as, I think, companies think, we think health, eye, and dental, right? Yes. Menopause is part of health. And both Jill's talked about the stigmatization of it. We just have to quit stigmatizing it. And it's a natural part of the progression. Interestingly enough, I reached out to our health and benefits team, number one, to find out, am I okay to be on this podcast? And number two, what can and I can't I say? And they're like, Carla, this is fantastic, but they are launching something. And I I think what it took to that point, Jill, people don't want to talk about it as a woman, right? If we choose to have kids throughout our career, which some do and some don't, having kids in and of itself can be challenging because what can you talk about? What can't you talk about? How long are you going to take off? How long aren't you going to take off? Are you going to breastfeed? Aren't you going to breastfeed? Because I remember those conversations when I did choose to have kids and how it affected my career and what I talked about and what I didn't. So not only is it the kid phase, now it's the menopausal stage. And what I think happened, quite frankly, within ServiceNow is some of the people deciding what we were going to factor in and what we were going to factor out of our health benefits probably started going through menopause. So even if people aren't talking about it, how do we get them talking about it? So within companies, the benefits start in every company across the planet. So we affect these 20% of the women. And so we don't have, Christine, the phenomenon that you talked about in the UK with upwards of a million women exiting because of what we're going through. And I I think the important thing is that not only can you mention it and talk about it and all of that, but there are treatments. You don't have to suffer. And that's the most important thing. Once I found the right treatment path for myself, which I think took longer than it would have if I'd had that support network, it was transformational. I don't suffer in the way that I did, and you don't have to. And I think that's really important to bring out. It isn't just about talking about it or sharing or saying we're all going through the hot flashes. It's like, well, actually, there's different treatments, different therapies, different things that you can do. And I think everybody needs to find that right path to treatment so they don't have to suffer. And I think that's really key to bring out here is that by doing all of this, at the end of the day, we're talking about how you can manage menopause 
so that you can continue with your daily normal lives, professional and otherwise, without completely suffering. I want to make sure that people understand there are solutions and they can find that solution. And part of the support network is to find those solutions for them. Just to double down on your point, Jill, our chief medical officer always reminds all of us and she reminds her patients, there's no gold star for suffering and there's no reason you need to suffer. And what works for one woman is not going to work for the other. Menopause is very much an individual journey. And so the dialogue amongst women is fantastic to open it up and normalize it. But when it comes to finding what works for you in the treatment, it's going to be your own journey, where, whether it's a combination of medical care and lifestyle change or only one or the other. It's very individual. And I think that's where getting that care from a professional that can lead you in that right path is just really, really paramount. Thank you. Totally Thank agree. you. I, I'd love to share a quote and then I'd like to go into our our last question because I know that you are all incredibly passionate about it. But before I do, it's from a recent LinkedIn article by Jacqueline Oliviera Sella and Sarah Ahmad, and it's titled Menopause at Work, The Silent Career Killer Employers Can't Ignore. It goes like this. It is time to change the narrative. Menopause is a biological life transition, a milestone for about 50% of the global population. Continued awareness is the first step to create work environments that support women through this stage in life. In parallel, we can each personally take action needed to ready ourselves and or manage the transition. End quote. So I can't think of a quote that sums up what we've been talking about more perfectly. So here's the last question to each of you. And Jill Weber, I'll give you the floor first. But what advice do you have for women or their allies who are entering or currently navigating menopause? Yeah, I think I've touched on it already, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to reach out to your company in terms of what options are available to you. And don't be afraid to talk about with other women at work. That's the most important thing because, you know, we're stronger together and there are options and this isn't anything to be ashamed about. This is a natural part of our lives. Excellent. Carla, you want to chime in? Number one is don't suffer through it. And, you know, Jill and Jill and Christine know that I have tried, right? Yeah. And I, it, it was rub dirt on it, it'll go away, or rub dirt on it, it's going to be okay, or just bypass through it. But it's come to the point where having spoken as prep sessions for this, I am going to get help, and I'm not going to get that gold star, because that gold star was gone a long time ago. Talk with other people about it. Understand what's out there in the market. And I think, Jill, A, to your point is, what worked for Jill Weber may not work for me. What worked for a sister of mine may not work for me, but there are people out there that can help figure out what will work for Carla. And I guarantee you there's people out there that will help figure out what will work for every woman. The woman has to take the first step in asking for help. One additional thing I'll layer on here is it's not you. There's actually a natural medical change that's happening in your body and it can arrive as innocently as I can't sleep through the night or God, I'm so moody lately. <laughs> I think that, you know, the thing that further complicates menopause besides the stigma of it thinking like, oh, I'm aging, I'm past my prime, all these monikers that are associated with it. 
it comes on so innocently and so silently in ways that are like, oh, I can't sleep or just can't remember those things lately. Or all of a sudden I've got rage and I don't know where this is coming from. Do I have a mental health problem? And mm. again, it masks itself in different ways. I guess my biggest point of feedback is don't underestimate any little thing or feel like you're crying wolf because the sooner you get ahead of it in your journey, the better the rest of the journey is going to be. And maybe you'll even mitigate some of the things that come about because you've dug into, okay, what should I be aware of? How do I tackle this thing now? I know it will change as my hormones change. Don't waste time and don't underestimate as soon as you start to see things changing. Across our patients, the average age is 49. It is not always an older woman, I think, which a lot of workforces believe it to be. It is women, again, in our prime. And I want to just underscore, don't wait. Thank you. I think the one thing I'd add to that is anyone listening who may be in a situation where they are the only woman at the table, encourage you to try to be brave, to have this conversation, to normalize it, to talk about the weather in Denver, to take that proverbial mechanical bull by the horns and educate others about it. So that leaders, whether they are allies or even women themselves who may just have these symptoms masked and may not have been educated the way that we're trying to educate each other right now, that they will be better leaders and more empathetic leaders, especially in organizations where they need to do that in order to retain the beautiful diversification of their workforce. It's imperative. Jill? Carla and Jill, I so appreciate the time you've spent with all of us, your insights on the importance of women's health and well-being in the workplace are invaluable. But beyond that, the education you've provided us should only be the start of much needed conversations surrounding menopause in the workplace. To all of you out there, thank you for your time as well. We will be back with new guests and compelling conversations over the next months there are topics or speakers that are meaningful to you, please let us know. We value your feedback as well as your support. So please keep listening, keep engaging, and keep getting the future you want. Looks like we've come to the end of another America's Corporate Social Responsibility podcast. Again, I'm Janet Polk, and on behalf of the entire America's Corporate Social Responsibility team, I'd like to thank you for listening. If you have a topic that you'd like for us to cover related to diversity, digital inclusion, or sustainability, please comment in the podcast channel. We'd love to hear from you.